I'm in another world where a man can be a missile. Hello and welcome to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric. And as usual, Jonathan is here. And we are uh, today recording this intro uh, at Loch Ness Tavern in Stockholm, Sweden. We're rec- this is one of the few times we've we actually been recording face-to-face. Yeah, we did it in the beginning. We did it in the beginning. And, and then uh, for, for reasons not that only mentioning, yeah. we haven't. <laughs> but also it's been very convenient just doing it. Yeah, I like to do it from home anyway because oh, it's comfortable in my studio uh, and everything. But then again, sometimes you need to stir things up and, yeah. and challenge the status quo, I guess. And, uh, this little intro is one of those. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, we wanted to have a little preface to to the interview. Yeah, we did with uh, Blaze Bailey. Yeah, so this is a really cool one. So I mean, I think you guys can probably kind of understand what's going on. Also, we've told you in several other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've been sharing it. Sharing it. Uh, so yeah, basically, we've. Uh, this is a conversation we had with uh, the Blaze Bailey. Yeah, uh, really nice dude. Uh, Lots of fun. He doesn't like people that are not on time, and no. he was very much on time. He was on time because we gave this window of time, like you could join whenever you want. Yeah, he was. He was, and we were sitting prepared to wait until last minute, and then oh, he's here. He's here. Okay, cool. Let's do a sync click, and here we go. Yeah, so that was that was really good. Uh, and uh, and what the only thing is, what happened is, I mean, when I we both kind of prepared quite a few questions. I'm pretty quiet in this conversation because he answered all my questions. Yeah. just just because he, he, you know, he. Uh, on his own, I didn't have to ask him. <laughs> yeah, he didn't need much prompting at all. That was really, he was really, it was, that was really fun. You know, it was a, it's obviously I said it in, on our social medias that you know, this is bucket list stuff uh, for me. Uh, level kind of, yeah, it was just a genuine pleasure to have him. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you do a pod like this, it's a feather in your hat to have one of the real members of the band come in and actually join. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was. Yeah, I mean, I was. I mean, it was, afterwards. You, because you, thing, I was nervous beforehand. You told yeah. me you were nervous afterwards. Afterwards, yeah, that's right. During, I was not nervous at all. Weird enough, it was kind of a showtime vibe, I guess. You know. So I mean, that, that's like, that's good. That's good because I don't think it would have been good if both of us were nervous at the same time. But, no, uh, no, no. but I, I, I was nervous beforehand. During, it felt kind of all right because uh, because you know, you, as soon as you start talking, it was fine. Uh, there's some technical issues which you'll hear. Uh, in well, not too much of that. Not too much. I, I've, I've kind of ridden most of it. You well, know? there you go. Yeah. That's good. So it wasn't really a big uh, problem. Uh, I mean, obviously, when you do things over Zoom, and uh, normally when we have guests, we ask them to record themselves. Okay. But you don't want to ask uh, no, no, a guy in the middle of his uh, promotion period to record his own interview. No, no, no. Not no, really. No, 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 no. But uh, hopefully, I mean, uh, hopefully in, in the future, we can time in so we can kind of do this... Uh, you know, at the same place as him, we can maybe record him when, he, when yeah. he's doing it. Hopefully, because you know, ho- you know, hopefully at some point, not too distant future, people will be able to tour again. Yeah, and then you know, maybe we can get him actually on the. Yeah, be fun. I mean, or even guests, but in the same room, you know, yeah, more local guests or even bands coming in, you know, because it, be fun. a lot of musicians like this band, you know. Uh, yeah, I, as, as, as I kind of wanted it to be that way, but it's yeah, turned as, out to be true. Yeah, turn as it turns out, they're kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And uh, in, uh, yeah, I mean, on that, in, on that regard, it's, it was really cool to get to interview Blaze. I know that he, he's quite active in his promotion phases. And well, yeah, I knew also, that uh, uh, War Within Me was coming up. Yeah, well, so just I kind of hinted to you that, uh, hey, this could yeah. be a good time to yeah. contact him. Yeah. But uh, uh, the, the accolade will go to you for actually doing it. Well, I should also want to point out that just so before you will mention it, so we'll mention it just so you know, yeah, so obviously, um, new album out today, War Within Me, yeah, on 9th the, of uh, April, 9th of April, uh, available, you know, for I mean, there, there's physical versions coming out, uh, it's available digital today as you hear this. Uh, every review I've read of this album has been really high, yeah. I mean, it's been, it's, it's been, as, I mean, for some places, it's been. A half a star away from a perfect review, and that's unlike that's a ton of places I've read that. Uh, I mean, I just recently I read new interview, uh, sorry, new review today, where it got like nine and a half out of ten. Really? And that's 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 pretty much consistently what wow. it's been getting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for full transparency, I haven't followed his career since Blood and Belief, all right. which was his third solo record, I believe. Because I've been kind of into yeah. the uh, I've been into the um, uh, later stuff more. Yeah. For okay. Me. Cool. Uh, cool. Well, obviously, he's been very active. He told us eleven albums so far. Yeah, and that's uh, where I did my, I did my usual hook at the end when I tried to get them to come back, you know. And he did sound quite positive. And hopefully, hopefully, in, in, in the question of doing that. And if we're doing this pod the way we want to do it, which is that after the original run, we'll go through all the solo stuff and yeah. possibly yeah. even related stuff or vaguely related, depending on how long we want to do this. Yeah, you know. And if that's the case, uh, I'm positive we'll have him on again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I'm more excited about doing his solo stuff than maybe British Lion, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I'm excited by all. Oh, well, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, That's no, a good idea. Uh, here I am, this live and let live guy. I, you know, I, I love them all. Oh, I, I don't love them all, but uh, yeah, especially well, Chemical Wedding. That's what I really love. Silicon Messiah as well. He's yeah. very strong. Silicon right. Messiah is a strong album. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of his, the, the trilogy he did, uh, those three albums, those, all, the, all three of those are really good. Uh, there's tons of stuff he's done. I mean, I have not heard any of his solos that I have not liked. So I think he's he's he's, he's got a he's, he's he also has a very he's had the same band for a while now yeah. with him, and that helps. Yeah, because I think the first band that I was such a fan of it actually turned out that it had some complications personality wise, you know, personality wise, and uh, in terms of keeping the troops together. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, obviously, I can accept that that thing has to end at some point but yeah, I that, really like the first lineup yeah, it was really a, strong yeah well, that's reasonable but, I mean, but I think Chris yeah. Appleton rules too oh he's a good he's a fucking yeah. good guitarist he's mentioned as well he's mentioned yeah the so of, uh, I think Bass was quite uh, generous in terms of also discussing Maiden well, also we just talked a lot of Maiden talked a lot of Maiden but also I just want to point out that when I initially pitched this interview to his management I said like half an hour 45 minutes he talked way more than that he was not he was not a kind of guy like you know he, he did not cut us off like no we're done yeah, was, yeah, we had doubled that. We had doubled that. Yeah, yeah, and he—he he was, uh, was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was exactly what I, what I was, ho- what I was hoping it was going to be. Um, very animated guy, right? Very animated. Um, so rather than how about we just get to it and we'll, so yeah. you guys, you guys can hear it. Here is the uh, our, our conversation with uh, Mr. Blaze Bailey, Bailey, whose new album again, War Within Me, is out today, digitally um, and also available uh, on. Uh, physical CD and vinyl on his website which I'll link in the description by Blaze's own words tell everybody you love it if you don't lie yeah very welcome to us to uh, Maiden A to Z and uh, this day pre-spring I guess how's, how's your day been Blaze uh, good you know I'm a bit upside down right now so uh, I, I don't really know what's happening to me on a daily basis, you know, 
Um, I'm trying to write my infinite entanglement book and right. uh, it's a lot more difficult than I thought it would be to write a book because I, I had the idea for the story and then we started work on the album. So I used the story as the lyrics for the album and we got halfway through the second album because it's a trilogy yeah. and then I'd run out of story and I wrote more story in the um in the with the lyrics so now we've got to turn the lyrics into the story and I promised my fans a book it's so much work it's like writing 10 albums of lyrics at once <laughs> oh man yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, that's uh, I do a try and do a little bit each day on that. Then I've got quite a few interviews like this, and I suppose it's a huge relief, really, because I finished my new album at the end of last year, but no one outside my team has heard it. So I've just been waiting for my fans, really. And the first single came out, and most fans thought it was okay. And the second single came out yesterday or last week. Most fans thought it was okay. So it's a huge relief that mm -hmm. they don't think it's awful. <laughs> That's the first thing. It's like, oh, it's not the shittest album in the world. That's a relief. <laughs> and... Um, and most of the journalists that have heard it, that have done interviews, they get it. And so, so it's a, it's a big relief, really. Yeah. It was very recently we could hear 18 Flights, right? It's yeah, just been released. Yeah. And it's a true story as well. 18 Flights is a true story about the South American tour and show that we had in Coquimbo, Chile, and there was an earthquake during the show uh not my fault uh, <laughs> five songs in uh, it's a fast song called escape velocity and as it gets past the second chorus goes into the middle it goes from to junk and the fans started running away <laughs> and that's weird and then the lights went out uh well that's not unusual at one of my gigs you know the uh, once in brazil uh, the lights went out and the, the tour manager came on stage and said, don't worry, they can still see you by the street lights, the sound desk, that the lighting desk has caught on fire, but they're putting it out now. I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway, back to the earthquake. And, um, and the promoter calls over, we've got to leave, we've got to get out now, it's an earthquake. And behind me, I'm hearing, come on. And uh, and then there's a text message which says, tsunami warning, uh, get to higher ground. We're 10 metres from the ocean. Shit, so, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, man, oh. that was, that's like the scariest text message I've ever had in my life. And uh, they got us in a van and they got us to higher ground. And, oh, man. So, uh, you know, Deep Purple. Yeah, I thought about that. Water, that smoke on the water. Yeah. That's nothing. That's nothing. We were in the... 
they survived somebody firing a flare gun all the album might have been late what so what so what we were in an actual earthquake with bits falling off the building yeah and then um three hours so you get the all clear we go back to the venue the power comes back on there's bits of the building in the street and about 20 fans come back to the venue and they say yeah are you going to finish the concert, Blaze? <laughs> Not tonight, no. <laughs> so, so we're hoping that at some point in the future we can go back to Kokimbo in Chile and finish the show. I think we'll probably start at song five, though, you know. Yeah, just... just to yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good story. I instantly thought about uh, Smoke on the Water as well. So you didn't have Frank Zappa playing next door, but... Definitely oh, no. an earthquake. An earthquake should trump some fire on a lake. Thanks, I, man. I agree. I'm glad you agree with me. Earthquake <laughs> trumps smoke on water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So yeah, there's, the concept of our show is made in A to Z. We go through every maiden song in alphabetical order, and we okay. intend to, we intend to go through the solo stuff as well after. So probably 18 flights will be the very first blaze song that we tackle. Okay. Yeah, but wh where we are now in our intenure is on a song that you actually have writing credits on as well. It's Como Estas Amigos from Virtual yeah. Eleven. Yeah, and there hasn't been that much talk on this song, but it's a personal favorite of ours. I think it's a very interesting topic and a very, very good song, melodically and, uh, and uh, vocally. Do you have any recollections from writing this song together with Yannick and recording it? Yeah. Yeah, man, it's big. So I'm on the um I'm on the promotion tour for the Virtual Eleven album and it's six weeks. Every day almost is flying. That's no exaggeration at all. And you fly to another country have dinner with the record company next day, five hours, nonstop interviews. And like that round Europe, then you've got to go to Japan and Brazil and just every place where Maiden has fans, which is a lot of places, a lot of different cities, a lot of journalists to speak to. And there we are in Argentina, Yannick Gers and me, I think it was. And we're, we're in Argentina and the hotel is in Parliament Square. I think it's Parliament Square. And there, it's not like a big conference room that they've got for us. We did a lot of uh, interviews before lunch. And it, the schedule isn't that tough, but there's a lot more TV and radio compared to press interviews there. And I looked out of my hotel. No, I, I was in a conference room and there's a couple of journalists there and somebody from the record company. And I looked out and I said, what's that down there? And it was a memorial with flames. And they said, that's the memorial for the fallen soldiers of the Falklands War. Malvinas, it's called in mm -hmm. Argentina. And I was like, oh, well, I'd really like to go and, and see that. 
because my friend from school was killed in the Falklands War. He was in the Royal Marines and he was killed on the Falkland Islands. So um, I really wanted to see that. And what was really apparent was that we all loved music and there was absolutely no way anybody that I met on that trip would ever pick a fight with each other. You know, you might argue which is best maiden or priest or, <laughs> you know, kiss or motley crew, but sure. you'd never sure. have a fight with anybody or think about starting a war with anybody that I met there in Argentina. They were absolutely lovely people, you know, who cared about music as much as I did. So I went, I asked a security guy, a lovely guy called Pepe, who, uh, and he, he took me down there and um, I, I read all the names on the memorial and uh, the, it was before smartphones or cameras or anything like that. And then when I got back to my room, I wrote a poem, um, just what came to me instantly on the hotel note paper. And then I kept that with me. And after that press tour, then when it was time to start writing the Virtual Eleven album, I was on uh, a visit with Yannick and we were going through our ideas and, oh, what have you got? And I've got this bit of a riff or I've got this thing or mm -hmm. what have you got? Um, I've got this melody. Or, and he just had this little thing. He said, he said, have you got anything to go with this? And I looked through all the bits of paper and everything, and there was the note paper that I'd written this poem on. And I just started to wander around vocally with some of the words, with what Yannick was doing, and it just fitted in like that yeah and there it was comastas amigos and I, it was in about 15 minutes we had the feel for the whole song and I, you know i thought this is this is big but it's emotional yes. you know yeah. very emotional but all the lyrics were there then we took that to rehearsals and uh showed steve harris the idea uh, in the arrangement, what it does is it builds up here and it changes here. And I'm like, oh, uh, I don't like that idea. But anyway, we tried it, and of course it worked. You know, yeah. it does. It's the, the arrangement that we have then and the way it builds. Yeah. Never, I would never have thought of that on my own because at that time I was so stuck in verse chorus. Uh -huh. uh, you know, Steve's never been stuck in that. He's got these incredible different arrangements that you yeah. can't predict. And once we put that idea for the arrangement to it, just came to life. He just Nico instinctively knows what to do on the drums. And that was it. And we never sang it live with Maiden. We never did it live. Because right. it came out on Virtual Eleven and then 
Bruce came back and that was it. So there was never a chance to perform Como yeah. Estas Amigo with Maiden, which was a little bit sad. So I was on my support tour when I was doing my solo tour. Uh, it was a Silicon Messiah solo tour, um, but I was supporting Halloween. Yes, I recall this. Yeah, and I played it on that tour, and it was huge. You know, yeah. uh, that I had at that time, they were very reluctant to play it because they were all about, you know, they wanted to do fast stuff and different things. But I, I got everybody to do it, and it just went down great. And then years later... It's been a really good song for me when I've wanted to have a big song in a set or an emotional song because it's all true. It is. It's basically yeah. the truth of that situation yeah. that I found myself in. It's here we are, you know, we're, we're in love with music, we're talking about music, you know, how could they ever be a time when we killed each other's friends when we wanted to kill each other it yeah. seems impossible let's never have that again and that's yeah. the sentiment of the song and somebody made a a, a special request for the song at, at one um one show that we did a small show in winchester that i, I like to do and uh, we had this crazy support band and um and i was pretty strict with them but you know they really they really did well i don't like people who are late and i don't like people who don't respect my fans you're the support band people have come to see me then play your thing as well as you can and be on time and don't yeah. make me late yeah. and miss songs out of my set sure yeah they rose to the challenge and they were great guys and i got them to come and sing man, man on the edge with me in the encore it was great and a few weeks later they sent me a message saying that their guitarist who was 23 was run over and killed after a gig run over by a car and killed outright after it oh, wasn't shit. even drunk or anything and uh and they said, will you please play that song for us when you come to Winchester? And I'll tell you what, man. Well, I sung that song as uh, a kind of tribute to that young man who would die. Oh, I was choking up. That was, that was tough, man. Wow. That was tough. But yeah. It was appropriate, you know, but, you know, it was, uh, it was tough. But it, for me, it's one of the, I can't say better because, you know, everything is good in a different way. But it's one of my favourites of the big and emotional songs that I've done. That's one of my favourites, you know. Yeah. All the melodies and lyrics are mine. And the arrangement is with a lot of help from Steve Harris. And the music is from Yannick. And I think it turned out really well. And I'll often bring that out in my set list now sometimes if 
we're going to a place where I haven't really been with my solo work and people don't know it and I want to play an extra Maiden song or two, then I'll come as amigos, let's get that out. Yeah. And it's a different arrangement to the record as well. The way that I do it live is it just wanders on. It just starts and I can start singing at any time. There's no set length to it. It can even go on at the end. It's got a vibe to it when we do it live. Uh, uh, that's the way I like to have it. You know, Chris, the guitarist, he starts it off very gentle. We make sure that the tempo is staying slow. And, you know, sometimes it's really slow. When we just really ease into it and find the vibe. And it, then it has a life of its own. It's, it's not trying to sound like the record. Yes. It's coming alive as a song, as a sentiment, as emotion and passion. It's coming alive as that. And there's a connection and a feeling that sometimes happens at shows that makes it magical. And that's a real privilege to do that. Yeah. I was going to say that I think it's a fantastic song, this one, and it really it brings the emotion across. I saw this um, episode of the, the series The Crown about the British royal family, and yeah. there was an episode touching on the Falkland Wars, and it got me reconnected with the song. I played the song afterwards, the original version, and I actually cried to it, because mm. it really connects to, the, to this misfortune that happened, which was an actual kind of war, but such a strange, to me, a strange context for a war. But with, I think, a death toll up at a thousand, right? Something like that, yeah. And I think that, that gave the song a little bit new meaning because I wasn't familiar with the background of the song. And I think what happens in the song is that the, the melodies are so strong, so the message is strengthened by the melodies. That's how I view it. And that's what I wanted to ask also, if the melodies came after the lyrics or before or during, if you recall. Yeah, before, because there I was in that in my hotel room yep. and I just wrote down my feelings and then it was, you know, after the X factor tour and doing the writing for virtual 11, that's when Yannick came up with the music and we just explored that. And it didn't take long to write really to get uh -huh. the most of the song together. It, it didn't take long, couldn't have taken more than an hour. I think most of it came, as some songs do, yes. most of it was in 20 minutes. And and then, what you know, we had all the melodies fitted with the lyrics, things came out, the O's came out, and then that's it. Once the arrangement was in place, it, it was just, you know, it, it really meant something then. So, yeah. you know, yeah. with songwriting, it can be hit and miss. So it used to be, for me, quite hit and miss. Like, I always felt lucky if I came up with a good song. And I learned, really, from Steve Harris a lot about how to get the idea from your head 
into the rehearsal room sounding like you thought it would sound and then to record it and um and this was the beginning of that for me really was okay i've got something it goes this way i had a lot of luck with it but that was it it wasn't really an accident it was something that worked out well for us for sure and now we have the testament to that we're here what could it be 23 24 years later still this song is on our minds right and kind of in our hearts as well so i think uh, you managed to really get a strong song out there in this one and it's a little bit forgotten people don't speak too much about this i think it's one of the best songs of 90s maiden all together I would say that it's going to be, it's going to be like, it's, I think that had you guys done it live and it became a live staple, it would be among the sort of maiden, you know, live classics that there's, you know, like, oh, they got to play that one. Cause it, 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 it could have been huge if you guys had got a chance to do it back in the day with uh, maiden, I think. Maybe it could have been as big as Blood Brothers. Yes. You know, I would love to think that because Blood Brothers mm -hmm. is absolutely huge live. Amazing. And I would, I would love to think that Comestas Amigos could have been as big as Blood Brothers in a live set. Yes, I think Blood Brothers was written while you were still in Maiden, right? And I've also seen you do it with uh, yeah. Thomas Switzen, a favorite of ours. Yeah, well, it was, it's a song written by Steve Harris, but um, it never made the Virtual Eleven album because we just had too many songs. So um, I always wanted to sing it. And then years later, um, Thomas Faison uh, got me to do some different things for his album and his uh, Nyla Maiden album, his first yeah. one. And yeah. I said... You know what? Would you uh, learn this one for me? I'd really like to do it, and he did. And we did a really nice video to go with it, and yeah. everything, and it really, really cool. Yeah, so the motorcycle uh, the fireplace, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, cycle for yeah. it. So it, it's cool. I really liked it. Uh, very nice. And uh, speaking of this, uh, this um, Thomas Switzen thing. Uh, you, you got contacted by him or did you find him? Because when I found him, I, I love this guy. I watched most of his takes on Maiden because I think the way he presents them, he really presents the sentiment of the song. You know, uh, let's say a song like Afraid to Shoot Strangers. I think his version is brilliant because you can hear the whole beauty of the song performed by one instrument alone. So I'm a big fan and I was just curious on this topic. Yeah, well, for the first Nyla Maiden album, He'd learned a couple of songs and he was also a fan of my solo work. And he said, Let, um, come and uh, sing these songs for me. And, you know, I didn't have much going on at the time. And I said, yeah, okay. And I did guest vocals for him on his album and we enjoyed working together. And we've done some great songs together, I think, and had some really good recordings and i've made a full album with thomas feisen now with the classical guitar and some violin on there and it's called december wind yeah which is you know, one of my favorite albums that i've done 
even yeah. though I'm known for heavy metal and most of my fans like me for heavy metal, then it's something to it about the relationship between the classical guitar and the voice and the violin that something happens for sure. me. That I, I really like it. So, yeah, we, we've had a few different things, and I've featured on a another couple of albums of his. I've done things. So what it demonstrates to me is that a really good song will translate into other genres. Yeah, definitely. Whether it's classical guitar or piano or symphony or, 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 you know, orchestra, whatever, a really cool song will translate and a crap song will still sound crap and not <laughs> worth doing. And a great song lives beyond its album and beyond its artist. And for me, that is certainly something that I aspire to, to try and write great songs that will be living beyond me without mm -hmm. my voice, with somebody else's voice, with an orchestra, with however, that's one of the things I try to do. You can't, it's almost impossible to have an album full of that. That's called, you know, one of the great albums of all time, but um, it's nice to, try and get that and maybe on on the album you've got one song which you think maybe that's gonna be a big song but um normally you, you'd be very lucky it's just one per album that you'll get maybe you won't get one that you think about that and i think really come on stas mm -hmm. It's one of those songs which I, I would like to think would well, that live beyond Maiden, beyond Blaze Bailey, that if that got noticed by someone in a different genre, that they would do it and have success with it because it's a really cool song. Yes. And another song that is really close to us in our interior is The Clansman. And that one was actually sampled by an R&B artist. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but... The intro bit, dun, dun, huh? da, da, dun, da, da, dun, dun. that part is sampled by an R&B artist as well. And um, that's also a huge song, right? Clansman, a lot of emotion in it. I think it really projects that that story. Yeah, it is, it's big. And it's such a big live, live staple still to date, right? They still played it on the last tour. Yeah. It goes down so well. It was one of the highlights. You know... It used to be years ago. It was in my set list when it wasn't in the maiden set list, yeah. and um, the you know there's often uh, an outrageous reaction to that song because it, it's so filled with emotion. But one show that I did was in Belgrade. And it was a lot of problems. First of all, the original venue couldn't do the show. Then they found another venue, which was basically a large cellar where occasionally they, they had uh, dance nights. 
and they had no PA. Then they got a PA and the guy didn't know how to use the PA except <laughs> for a disco. So we had to set the PA up. I said, oh, man. And uh, we, we, we started the gig and it was really big guys were there. I mean, big guys, fit guys, and started to work out. These were all soldiers. You know, there's obviously, you know, maiden fans who come to check me out, but they were soldiers. And I mean, fit, big guys. And, you're, and, uh, and we're kind of standing back because the stage isn't that solid. There's no barrier whatsoever. The stage is only about this high anyway. And we're thinking, They've been rowdy, these guys, and we're thinking, man, we started the Klansmen and we looked at each other like, <laughs> oh, God, what's going to happen now? And it was like, and when it got there, man, it was chaos. It was freedom, war! <laughs> oh, man, it was absolutely chaos. These huge guys jumping all over each other, <laughs> punching each other. Oh, man, it was absolutely crazy. And we, we were just looking at each other, oh, oh no, we, we can't <laughs> stop, they'll kill us. So we, we kept going and going. And, man, that was like the – I can never forget that gig. I mean, great crowd in Belgrade, but I remember that particular gig because i was at during the clansman i was really in fear man and i was oh no after <laughs> the gig i do my normal free meet and greet and these guys all this they come absolutely lovely absolutely <laughs> just really nice guys who had gone crap and they were from the army yeah. in the cellar in Belgrade with the PA that we set up ourselves. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, what happens is that song is also a curse uh -huh. because unfortunately that is the one song where almost anybody will try and get on stage. Freedom. Yeah. And it's like, well, why are you trying to do that? You know, mm -hmm. do you really think the rest of the audience wants to see you? And also, you know, my fans are all different ages and different types. And one guy in Sweden waited till the security wasn't looking, got up during that part, dived off and kicked a lady one of my lady fans in the head and she had a concussion and a neck injury. Holy shit. So I'm like, and it's just, so it's wonderful and powerful, but it's also a curse. So every single gig, when, when I have that in my set list, I go to the security, I show them the set list, and I say, this is the one where you've really got to watch everybody and stop stupid things happening. Fights break out. Yeah. And uh, it really spoils the gig for me. Yeah. I want everybody to be happy, enjoy the music, not start a big fight. And I don't want people coming on stage, treading on all the guitar effects, smacking yeah. me in the back of their yeah. head and all of this business. So, uh, so that's it really. So it, it's the double edged thing. It has all this power 
and emotion and it also has this curse where it draws real stupid people onto the stage real idiots you know get yeah. onto the stage so yeah. i think there was a problem when steve came up with a couple of those parts i think there was some kind of scottish curse going on <laughs> that would you know would make people like suddenly they would hear that hear that do, 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 and they go, oh, i must get on the stage i must get on the stage <laughs> Yeah, I see. And it's such a good song. And I like to say on behalf of Sweden, then as a Swede, I'd like to apologize for that idiot that hit one, your, one of your fans in the head with a, with a shoe. That's not what you should do. No, it was on his foot. This Holy guy shit. was like uh, two meters tall and he runs up and jumps off. It's not the first time it's happened. I don't, I don't like it. This no. the stage diving and all of that. It's not a part of it for me, but you know, that's one of the horrible things that happened, but also you get these wonderful, wonderful things that happens. You know, one of my favorite gigs ever in my life is Gothenburg with on, on the X Factor tour. All right. And we had to play a very small venue and it was just wonderful. The vibe was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I've never ever forgotten that night in Gothenburg. A couple of B-sides you have uh, from there, you know, like uh, Blood on the World's Hands is featured on this one. There is also a Free Shoot Strangers. I think the full thing was recorded by Swedish Radio, actually. They recorded quite a few Maiden shows with full quality. So that, you know, we can still enjoy that show, even though we're from the other side of Sweden oh. and possibly a bit too young to have been there. But yeah, great show. Yeah. I was going to say, you seem to have a, you have so many like interesting, cool stories, and you seem to have you know been a lot of interesting places. Would you ever consider at some point maybe writing an autobiography? No. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Quick answer to that, but you're actually writing something else, right? He has written an autobiography, um, which is a, a, about a certain era of my life with a lot of the history. It's called the end of the day mm -hmm. but really for me personally i don't want to write about the past i don't want to remember the past too much i'm looking forward and i'm living right now and i'm living in the moment and i'm trying to make myself live and be here right now plan for the worst hope for the best don't live in the future and don't live in the past be here yeah 
Be here now where every small decision that you make now contributes to the direction that you will go in and the future that you will have. That's how I live. So I don't really want to write an autobiography. I, I, there's nothing in it for me. Why do I, you know, it's just, it's nothing there for me. I'm trying to live now. Yeah. And I'm thinking of my fans and singing for them and singing my new songs for them. I'm here writing my book about, it's my own science fiction story, horror and science fiction, the incredible journey of a man who has survived being evil and now seeks redemption, even though he does not know if he is human. That's where my head's at. Yeah. And I don't really want to go back, man. Every time I say I'm writing a book, if I don't say I'm writing a book called Infinite Entanglement, they go, oh, about you. About you. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to write about myself. Maybe some people, maybe some people want to write about themselves. I think, oh, they're so they like themselves so much. You know, I'm just not interested in that. Hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I I kind of agree with the sentiment too. That first thing, uh, maybe fiction could be more interesting, right? It's more of an es escapism, and that's why we are into music in the first place. We want to be somewhere else, yeah. not in reality. You know, I'm listening to Ronnie James Dio sing Children of the Sea, I'm transported into another world, another dimension. Yes. You know, I'm listening to Holy Diver and I, I'm in another place. I'm, I, I, I'm listening to ACDC Heat Seeker. I'm in another world where a man can be a missile. And sure. so it's a different thing. That's the world I want to be in. I don't want to be permanently in this world. I need to be distracted. I need to go to places. And I think in metal and rock music, we allow ourselves these brief fantasies and be able to go to different places and, and all of that. And the level of musicianship, generally from most of the bands who are there is so good they're able to take us on these journeys and out of ourselves so definitely i, I agree with you on that one that right. um i'm not a big fan of reality yeah then that makes two of us <laughs> i'm not watching a lot of reality tv shows <laughs> i want on i'm watching a lot of science fiction yeah me too yeah shows and uh, fantasies and serial killers right there we go that's metal yeah that's me so i was gonna ask you got you got this new album uh coming out in the as, as we're recording this it's a couple weeks or about a month off uh what can you tell about the process of doing that i i mean uh, i gather that most of it was probably written before uh the covid 19 thing no i wasn't we we always have a plan yeah and we look forward and we talk about the plan because i like to have deadlines and i like to know when things are going to happen if there's nothing on the calendar i start to get very depressed mm -hmm. so 
we go, right, what's the next release? What's the next one? What's the next one? Um, my manager said to me, when can I expect your next studio album? And we just finished three studio albums in three years. So much concentration with three tours and energy. I said, it's, I need two years. Yeah. I need two years away from the pressure of recording and writing. And I need two years to kind of get my emotional breath back mm -hmm. to, to write anything of real value. And so he goes, okay, then. And we had a couple of live albums and re-releases and bought some things out on vinyl. And we were always going to record a new studio album in 2020. Yeah. But what we didn't know was that the gigs in 2020 were going to be postponed or cancelled. We were going to record around those gigs. So we had a festival, then, right, we've got some writing days, then we have a two weeks on tour, then we've got some more writing days, then we've got a festival, then we've got rehearsals, then you know, and like that. And slowly what happened was postponed, Oh, well, what that actually means is we have three clear days now where we would have gone and done that festival. Yeah. So we can either use that on working on the album or time away to come back fresh. Then, right, two weeks of touring, gone. Oh, well, that's two weeks that we can spend together nonstop working on the songs and that's how it went coming back from south america in february and there's no covid over there at that time mm. then coming into paris and there's all the posters and people wearing masks to get the flight to london it i thought this is really serious isn't it and then in March, we did our last live performance. And I think it was one of the last live shows in a whole mm -hmm. of Europe, uh, Birthfest in March. And we had our first real writing meeting session after that. And I thought, well, this is going to be tough for a lot of people and it's going to be tough for me. And my fans have been waiting two years for a new studio album. So what am I going to say when they put on their headphones and I'm in their head, when they put the CD in the car and just leave it there and have it playing every day when they drive the car, when they're in the bedroom with the lights out and it's on their hi-fi, what am I going to say? And because I've been able to have a free meet and greet at almost every headline show that I do, I get to meet my fans and some people I'm on first name terms with and people often share their stories and say, this song really means a lot to me or this song is my workout song or 
you know, this album got me through this difficult time in my life. And I thought, I have a real obligation. I feel an obligation to my fans that I have to do something positive. I have to do something that when you get to the end of it, you feel better than you did in the beginning. And that's what we set out to do. I explained the way I felt to Chris Appleton. And after that, every single thing we did, is that the best place for it to go? In the journey of the song, how do we feel at the end? How is this instrumental affecting us emotionally? Which part of the voice are we using for this lyric to find this emotion? What key shall we choose to sing this part in? And that was how the whole thing evolved. So at the end of it, we have every storm ends. Yeah. Which mm. is a message to say it's worth holding on for an extra day. It's worth holding on a bit longer because as black as it seems, as dark as it seems, it will end. And that lyric was drawn from my own life when I was in a difficult situation, my relationship, was over while I was on tour. And then I went home and suddenly I was single and I lived alone. And that was tough, man. That was darkness mm. right there. People go through much worse. I'm not saying it was that bad, but for me, emotionally, it was tough. And that's what I wrote about. And that's what the song Every Storm Ends is about. And it's at the end of the album. And hopefully we've taken you on a journey from the intensity that we begin war within me, a war inside your own head, where on one side there is laziness, deceit, seeking oblivion, the darkness, and on the other side, there is responsibility for your own happiness and well-being, the responsibility that you say, right, I'm getting up, I'm doing something, I'm going to do this. And the whole thing about fighting for your better self. Sometimes it's a fight, sometimes it's a battle, and sometimes it's a war. Sure. And so many people go through it. So we're, we're all making these decisions. Oh, well, can I be bothered to go out? Or come on, it's, I've got to go out. Shall I do my work? Shall, all of us, yeah. we're all faced with these yeah. decisions. And, and so that that's where it started. And then, there are true stories about people I consider to be heroes, who I consider to be an inspiration, and ideas, songs about my own difficulties that I've had and trying to overcome them. And overall, uh, I think it it is something that's positive. And when my fans 
who have supported me through thick and thin, through good times and bad. When my fans hear the War Within Me album, I want them to know that it's that way because I was thinking of them. And I feel I'm in a privileged position to be able to talk so directly to people and that people expect a lot from me. Well, if they expect that, I've got to try my absolute hardest. And that's what we did. You know, Chris Appleton, he's, he's a hero himself just for putting up with me because I'm such yeah. an arsehole. <laughs> that's how it is being in a band. I'm just terrible. Honestly, I'm, I'm <laughs> awful. With. I, I don't know how he does it. To be honest, I, I'm sure that he says to himself, Every album, I'm sure he says, that's the last album I'll ever do with Blaze <laughs> Bailey. And then next, he's back then. I think he's made himself forget, right, that's what are we going to do? And then by the end of that album, he's like, I can't wait to get away from this guy. <laughs> so that's how it is. But, you know, he's a hero just for putting up with me. Yeah. And, of course, he's mag magnificent. Oh, yeah, definitely. Player. Yeah. What he can do with guitar. Yeah. You know, I'll say, Chris, I'd like something like this. Can you do that? And he goes, well, it's impossible, but give me ten, give me 10 minutes to work it out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it will happen. Yeah. And I'm like, Chris, yeah. you know the way you're playing that now? Could that be picked twice as fast to give it a, this, you know, that urgency, that vibe? And he goes, all right. <laughs> That's it. And it's impossible. It's impossible for a human being. It is absolutely impossible. Yeah. But he, he's more, he's a heavy metal machine. So yeah. it's just like. Yeah. He's a great guitarist. And then and it's like, if it's, it feels, you can hear it going. Yeah. And then, and then after about five minutes, he's going. <laughs> it gives me so many possibilities when I'm thinking of things. And as well as that, the things that he brings in himself, uh, it's, it's real quality. So I'm very, very lucky yeah. to be in that situation with such a talented player. And the speaking of this, uh, with how it could be being in a band and the dynamics, I mean, both me and Eric, we've experienced the same thing. You know, you realize that, oh, I, I could be an asshole to work with, but still there is some trade here. You know, we bring something to each other. So it's a lot of a, like a family relations type situation, right? Within a band. Yeah, difficult to keep a band together. There's, there's hardly anybody still together after a few years. Lineups right. always change. It's difficult to keep the same bunch of guys together. It's very, very rare. But because one member changes at a time, then people don't quite see it. But it's rare for it bands to stay together from the beginning. Yeah, very rare. And the, yeah, what I want to ask there regarding the interrelationships within the band, when you joined Maiden and you got the lyrics from Steve for X Factor, did you react to... The, the fact that it seems to be a very hard time for him and the lyrics have a dark sensibility to them. You know, speaking of troubles you had in your life, he had a bit of trouble in his life at this moment. How was your reaction? Did you already know from knowing Steve or did you get to know some of the situations 
through the lyrics on X Factor? Well, I knew Steve. Obviously, we were, you know, we'd become, we'd started working together and we, we'd spoken a bit. And also, when I was in Wolfsbane, I managed to get into the Iron Maiden football team mm. when we were on tour supporting them. So I, I knew him from then, really. So I, I knew we, there was some things going on. And I think there's, um, I think there are six of my lyrics on the X Factor. And the ones that Steve has done are particularly dark. And also, I think it's the start of the progressive era yes. of Iron Maiden music. Yeah, definitely. You know, starting to get longer arrangements, starting to incorporate different themes, a lot of different themes into the same song, things becoming more majestic in a way. We talked about Blood Brothers before. That's not a short song. It's mm -hmm. a good song. It doesn't feel boring, but it's not short. No. Sign of the Cross, yeah. it's not a short song. No. It, it's got a lot to it. It does a lot, but it's not short. And it takes you on a journey mm -hmm. that is unexpected in a way. So I think that it was the beginning of a new era. And, well, we all go through difficult times. And I think that was a difficult time for... Steve personally, but for everybody in the band, you mm. know, a lot of people in the British press, this isn't fans, but this is journalists mm. in the British press, were really happy that Bruce left and they really wanted that to be the death of Iron Maiden. A lot of journalists in the UK that really think a lot of themselves were hoping that that would be the end of Iron Maiden and the dinosaur would disappear. Well, I'm sorry, journalists, but you don't buy your albums and you don't buy your tickets. Right. And the people that do actually love Iron Maiden for their music, not for their image or anything else, but because of the music and the passion and energy that they put into every show and the commitment they have to make each album the best it can be. So I'm sorry, journalists. Iron Maiden aren't going anywhere because they still have fans that want them to perform. And the British journalist, and, and this is about 10 or 15 people, they hated that. They hated that they couldn't kill Iron Maiden. Mm -hmm. And when we played Brixton on the X Factor tour, and... It's the biggest indoor stage in the UK. It's 5,000 people, I think, and it was sold out. And when the fans screamed when the lights went down and during the show singing the songs and at the end there was no illusion that Iron Maiden were as strong in the UK as they ever were and it didn't matter that Bruce had left the fans wanted Maiden to continue and they didn't care what the journalists said. Yeah. So for me, 
that's a great thing. You know, I loved Iron Maiden before. I love being in Iron Maiden. I learned so much from Maiden, but it is 25 years ago and yes. it's two albums. So it's a few songs and it was a great time and a great experience. And there are a lot of fans from that era who hated me when I joined Iron Maiden and they still do. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Because if they said, oh, I was just all right, then that would mean I, I, there's nothing about me that's worth listening to. So some fans from that era will always hate me, and there are other fans who follow my solo career, got Silicon Messiah album, they love Iron Maiden, and they love Blaze Bailey. And it's there great. are still other people, when they listen to The X Factor, and virtual 11 they go bruce sounds really different on those albums <laughs> yeah it was those albums that were around when i got into iron maiden actually back in 98 i i did miss the virtual 11 tour as well as the x Factor tour no the um, the ed hunter tour but uh, you were the singer when i got into the band actually so so for me it was obviously it was a big thing when the reunion happened but then you could also tell that they kept playing your songs they played five songs off of those two albums repeatedly over the years. And also you made a mark with 11 writing credits, as far as I can see anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you've become a part of this band and also holding up the fort on the, during those five years when metal was, you know, those journalists that you addressed, they wanted metal to die. It was a war. It was a war. We were like yeah. special forces of heavy metal. We, <laughs> right. we were out there, man. And everybody's going, grunge this, grunge that. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Oh, nobody's going to like heavy metal anymore. All the grunge fans, we're not uh, bands. The grunge bands, no, we're not supporting Iron Maiden. Those old all, all of that. It's who, who are you? Where are they now? We were out there for five years at the height of grunge. Yes. And MP3, EMI sold every manufacturing facility that they had in the world mm -hmm. because they were scared of mp3 uh and that's that's it we were up against that cd sales going like that people pirating music grunge everywhere to seattle <laughs> and played a gig and it was fucking horrible i can <laughs> really? tell you it was one <laughs> yeah i think it's absolutely the worst iron maiden show while I was in the band, was in Seattle, there was like 10 rows of people that were, I am here with the band I love, I'm going to enjoy this. And there's the rest of the people there who were, let's go and see those dinosaurs. That might be fun mm -hmm. because it could be the last gig that they ever play. And there we were, man. It was a, it was a battle to do it. It, it it was a battle but you know it was an unrelenting we never gave in not yeah. once every night was that's yeah. it 100 or 1000 fans that love you that love this music as much as we do do our best for them and forget everybody else that says oh uh, you've been going too long you know yeah it, it's unbelievable no one that knows 
anything about real music would think that Iron Maiden should be over or go away when you're yeah, still no. coming up with brilliant ideas uh, uh, and huge concepts. That's why you should keep going. Not because anybody else wants you to stop. When fans say stop or they don't care, maybe then it's time to stop. But sure. while you have fans that believe in you and want to listen to the next music that you do, then why listen to people that don't buy their records, mm -hmm. that don't pay for tickets? They don't support the band. Fans right. are heavy metal. That is the core of heavy metal, is being a fan. And there is no heavy metal without fans, and that's why they can't kill us. That's right. why they can't stop us, because we're not a band. We're not a few bands. We're thousands upon thousands of fans who have metal in our hearts. That's why they can't stop us, no matter what they say, no matter what the fashion is, no matter what kind of hair colour they have. We will always be an army of people in black shirts right. and jackets with bands' names across us. That's who we are, always, for years and years and years. And the reason I've lasted so long is I've never been in fashion. I've never been fashionable, ever. Right. And that's why I keep going. Fashion changes. I just keep going, man. I just yeah. keep going. That's it. That's it. And that's how it works. It reminds me of this Tenacious D song, Jack Black's band, when everything tried to kill the metal, but the metal won, you know. That's how it works. And it is the fans and it's the community. I think it's very important in this genre, you know, the, the camaraderie and then the, the brothership, you could say, too. That it's always going to survive. It's not bound by trends or anything like that. But uh, I also wanted to turn it over to Eric. I know you have a few more questions. I've been hogging well, this interview a bit. Well, I figure, well, you know, I know, I know we, we don't want to keep you too long because I know we think we initially had like 45 minutes. But I was going to, I was wondering um, this, uh, besides writing the book and whatnot, uh, what, what are you listening to these days? What are you a fan of? Uh, what are you, you know? Um, I don't listen to too much modern metal because I find I'm a producer. I'm a mm -hmm. music producer. And so that means putting music under the microscope like, uh, and really seeing the details. And so unfortunately, what happens to me is when I hear new bands, if, if I'm not careful, what happens is I start taking it to pieces as a producer going yep. oh i would have done that there oh i would have done you know mm -hmm. what i mean and i don't enjoy yeah. it yeah so um i listen to a lot of movie soundtracks yeah, oh, yeah. and so a lot of classical music and things without drums and without words right and uh, different types of things and then what i do is i have my playlist Good morning, and that's 10 songs to get me in the mood. And I have my playlist, Gym, and that's 20 songs for whenever whenever the gym opens again that will get me m motivated. I have to, all I have to do is drive to the gym, put the playlist on, and then, okay, I'm, re I'm, I'm on my way. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so that's. I would do it really, but 
we're restricted in so many ways, but there is always, it seems, a way to make it fresh, to do something fresh, but it is a narrow path. And yeah. that's why I, we like it because we know what we're going to get. We know we're going to get heavy guitars. We know we're going to get some different styles of vocals. We know we're going to get some interesting lyrics from a lot of the bands that we like. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it works, really. Yeah. I also wanted to ask on that same thing. One thing I've been wondering about personally, but that might be interesting, is when you got into music or heavy rock or music in general, do you recall what you was what was your favorite bands back as you like in your formative years of as a music listener? Well, man, I was so lucky. I was, so, I mean, I'm so old. <laughs> I, I'm just so lucky uh, with what was happening at the time because there was Led Zeppelin live album, song remains the same. Mm -hmm. There was the Sex Pistols coming out. Uh, Motorhead were in the charts. Brilliant. Iron Maiden were coming out at that time. They were getting on the. They were getting on TV and right. in the charts. And they, we had the top forty on the BBC, and they had to play what was in the chart, heavy metal or not. If they mm. liked it or not, they had to play what was in the chart. And so many times. Heavy Metal got in, Judas Priest got in, Iron Maiden got in, Motorhead got in, Saxon got in. It was incredible. It was just a great, great time. And then there, there was Black Sabbath as well I started getting into. So Black Sabbath, Sex Pistols, Rainbow. Awesome. Uh, all of these crazy things were floating around. They all seemed to fit together. You know, it was before the New Romantics. Uh, it all seemed to fit together and everything kind of went in and my mother had i think she had the first quadraphonic record player in the village cool mm -hmm. and uh, with four speakers and with i think one quadraphonic record but she loved hi-fi and she loved music and there would be a different record. She loved a lot of big singers as well and show tunes and they would be on. And I wouldn't really like that stuff. But then years later, it comes back and it makes sense in a different way. And I, I just think I was very lucky really yeah. to have at there to be there when the sex pistols came out, when motorhead were in the charts when Maiden were in the you know, that was a, a golden time for me. Yeah. So much going on, so much great music coming out at that time. Still, the same amount of shit, meaningless, pathetic <laughs> pop. Every generation has that. There's yeah. no way of escaping that. But <laughs> at that time, the proportion of proper real music seemed to be more than pathetic shit pop. Right. No, actually, I've gone back to this era as well. I'm born in 86, but I've gone back to this late 70s, mid 70s and early 80s. I think it was a brilliant time. You had Thin Lizzy going on and uh, obviously Motorhead, yeah. Black Sabbath, one of my favorite bands. So, yeah, good time to be alive, but good for me as well that it's still in there, right? It's still live in a sense, you know, yeah. you can still play the yeah. records. 
a lot of innovative things happened yeah. then. I mean, Black Sabbath, man. So good. They're against the law, really. Yeah. They're, they're just the, the arrangements that Tony Iommi has come up with. You know, it, it's just, it, it's illegal. Yeah. You know, if, if there was, you know, if Mozart, Wagner, Beethoven formed right. a police force, Tony Iommi would be put to death <laughs> because he'd be stuck out there. You know, there'd be yeah. him and Paganini, they'd be going, oh, hello, Tony. All right, Mr. Paganini. <laughs> you know, so what are you here for? Yeah. Beethoven decided, oh, I'm too weird to be alive. So I can imagine that. Yeah. You know, but I mean, that and the, some of the maiden arrangements and the, the way they choose to arrange the songs, it, yeah. just really different things happening. And on the back of punk as well, right. which was music and an attitude that said, I'll do it because I want to do it, not because I'm good enough to do it. Right. <laughs> and people just, and then people just picked up and used their imagination to make the most of one, two, three chords. I've got enough. I've got a song. Ah, I've got an attitude. It was just wonderful. Yeah, songs like Prowler or the early Maiden stuff has a lot of that. But also, uh, you were 17, I think, when the first Maiden album came out. Did you discover it instantly? Songs like Phantom of the Opera and Remember Tomorrow. Do you recall hearing that or was it a bit later? I wasn't interested in it until Bruce joined the band. Okay. And my my first Maiden album was Number of the Beast. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Number of the Beast was an insane album. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. the actual song number of the beast, and this didn't change when I was in the band either. I, I felt was deeply disturbing. Dun 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 dun. dun. Deeply disturbing. And I was like, oh, it's you know, and it it really was like a gory horror film. I don't want to see, but you know, I can't not look at it. <laughs> right. And uh, same the same. I don't want to listen to this track, but it is really good. I, you know, just oh, so it's very, very disturbing. And uh, I was working nights at the time, and it was cassette tapes, and you could fit on the cassette tape an album on one side and an album on the other. Yeah. So I had. Number of the Beast and Peace of Mind, isn't it, the next one? Mm -hmm. And I had that. I could listen to it all night. Cool. You know, on my night shift when I was doing my work or hoovering or whatever. So that's how I really fell in love with those albums. And then I saw Maiden on tour, I think three times. And, uh, I, yeah, the first time I saw Maiden on tour was Power Slave. Mm. Uh, I just didn't understand it. I was like, what's happening? This is amazing. You know, where's this sound coming from? It's unbelievable. Why are there so many lights? It was absolutely fantastic. I'd never seen anything like it. And it's in a smaller venue of about, I think it's about 1,500 people, Birmingham Odeon. 
And mm. at that time, I mean, I'm so lucky. Now, now I think about it, Maiden were in that venue. Ozzy Osbourne was in that venue. John Bon Jovi was in that venue twice. Metallica was in that venue twice. So many big heavy metal artists and stars were in that venue. Twisted Sister were there. Uh, it was before metal and started to get into stadiums and before metal could really do arenas. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it was a fantastic time. Fantastic. That's great. And also that uh, leads us to, there's another, just a couple of questions that come together here. One uh, that is just interesting to us and our listeners. And one is songs from your era that you would love to see the band do now with Bruce. And the other one, the kind of counter question is songs from the old era that you would have wished to have done, to have done but couldn't do. And I know that Wasted Years is one of those you mentioned yeah. before. That, that's one that I really wanted to do was um, was wasted years, but I, uh, I didn't get the chance to do that with the band. So I said to Thomas Fison, "Can we do that one?" Uh, and we did. Um, and I think from from my era, I mean Bruce is just a uh, wonderful wonderful singer so important in music yeah not just heavy metal he's an important singer in the history of popular music you know just really and years from now then people will be talking about bruce dickinson not just as a legend but something even more uh, for what he's done and the vocal performances he's, he's done and the songs he's written and been involved with. From my era, I think, well, he does brilliant with the Klansman. He makes that his own sign of the cross. He might, he does that really, really well. Um, I think, you know, Man on the Edge, really. I That'd think cool. he would do. He has done that. Yeah, but, long time ago. Uh, you know, I, yeah, he has done that. I think he did a great job on it as well. And he bought it to life. He did his he did his own thing with it, and he bought it to life. So that is certainly one. And Blood on the World's Hands. That'd be cool. That'd be think, cool. I think so, Bruce doing Blood on the World's Hands. You know, I, I think that could be special. Yeah, we mentioned that actually when we did the episode on Blood on the World's Hands. That, they, that could be cool now with three guitars and with Bruce on it. That could be really interesting. It's, it's quite a big song. Yeah, it really is. Now, what's, uh, uh, besides the album, what, what have you got coming up next? I, I, I saw something about a UK tour just being announced. Well, yeah, it's just been announced. I don't book the tours. All right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, fingers crossed, it'll all go ahead. I've had my first COVID jab, mm -hmm. and my next one is May the 28th, but that doesn't guarantee that you won't get it. No. 
So we'll see what happens, what the shape of things. We feel that we have to try. Yeah. You know, we don't really want to say, we'll do everything in 2022 when with everybody else's do. We feel that we have to try. We often do things that other people don't attempt. So we'll, we'll try and we'll do our best to adapt to whatever the circumstances are at the time and to do the best job that we can of making people forget this horrible time in human history. Mm -hmm. uh, that's our job. You know, I'm a songwriter, but on what um, one part of what I do, I'm an entertainer and it's my job to make you forget everything except being in that venue and hearing and singing those songs. And that's what I'll be trying to do. And we hope it goes ahead, but I've been around quite a while. And in Wolf Spain, we learned some hard lessons about things that were booked. And now, this isn't just COVID, but this goes way back. Now I say, well, I will believe it when I'm standing on the stage <laughs> singing to the fans. Yeah. You know, we had so many gigs that were booked, trips that were booked that just never happened. Oh, it's going to be next month now. What? Oh, you won't start recording till then. What? Oh, well, that tour isn't going to happen till then. What? Oh, yeah. your album won't come out. Till well, we did a tour in Ireland, and we arrived at the pub, and it was burnt down to nothing. <laughs> just, just black, burnt down. Nobody phoned us to say the gig's not going ahead. We just arrived at the, you know, it took us hours to get through to somebody. So, well, where are we supposed to go? Because the guy that was running the venue was supposed to be providing uh, accommodation. So, well, glad that we didn't stay there. We could have been burnt to death, you know. <laughs> and then another gig that we arrived at, it's like, uh, we're, hello, can, where do we load in with a band for tonight? No, you're not. Oh, yes, we are. Well, no, you're not, because there's no band on here tonight. This is a gay disco. Right. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so, it's a difficult business. So that was it. I, I, now, I've got no problem with that. I would have gone to the disco. I don't care, man. Yeah, well, sure. it was a like, wow. And uh, <laughs> no, there's no heavy metal band on here tonight as well. So, you know, that's just two examples of things not happening. Mm -hmm. quite the way and so i just you know what uh, it's not even i don't even believe if i'm on the plane if i'm gonna fly somewhere well i used to say when i'm on the plane no because still the gig can be cancelled <laughs> and not go ahead you can be standing on the side of the stage and this has happened right so i just say no not going on they haven't paid so like, what no they haven't paid we're not doing the gig huh so it's just bizarre, man. Absolutely bizarre. So when I'm on the stage, 
I'll ask the fans, is this really happening? Is this real? Future real. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And uh, it's been really, really good to have you here. Interesting conversation. Very nice for us to to get this moment to talk with you. Well, thank you for having me. And please tell everyone about my new album, War Within Me. Please tell everybody that it's great. And if you hate it, please <laughs> lie. <laughs> right. Well, I, so, I've already points. songs I've heard so far I've loved, so I, I can't wait for it. So it's uh, I'm really excited to get that one. Yeah, and a live show would oh, be amazing. You. A thank live you. show would be great, and uh, you know we will be doing this for a few years. So at some point maybe we could discuss another song of yours, uh, one of your solo tracks or something when it comes up. That would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a trilogy, you know, with 34 songs. Yeah. Uh, about you know it's part of a. A story. I've got eleven studio albums. Yeah. And um, yeah, a lot, a lot of work. And we're hoping to make a new Wolfsbane album as oh, well. Oh, cool! Didn't know that. With the lockdown and all of that, swapping ideas online. Yeah, amazing. And yeah, as, as we said, we will go through all the Maiden songs. So it's in quite a while, but you know. Uh, God willing, we'll, we'll all be still be here and we can talk to you again regarding some of all those songs that you put out. Okay then. Well, thanks, guys. Huge thank you to all of my fans over there. Thank you so much for your support and hopefully see you as soon as it's possible. Right. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much. Take care, man. Fun, man. Man blir ju fan pepp, alltså. Han är ju fan... Man blir ju inspirerad av pepp, alltså. Man blir ju det. Han är så jävla inne i det. Jag gillar det. Det är lätt att snacka med. Kul att snacka med om oh, kring, kring grejer som eskapismen i musiken och Black Sabbath och sånt, liksom. <laughs>